Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Well, I'm excited to be here this morning. Who's excited to be in the house of God this morning? It's a beautiful day. Sometimes in Calgary, we don't know what the weather is going to be like. So we cherish every moment that we get for the beautiful weather that we have. Uh, as Tim and Lisa had shared, uh, my name is Brad, and my wife Shelby and I and our two boys are a part of the East Village leadership team. And um, we've actually been a part of this church for 16 years, and it's been an incredible journey to see God's growth within the local church, to see relationships built, to see lives transformed. And it's so incredible being part of this East Village team now, seeing what God's doing in our city in changing people's lives and radically transforming and healing areas of their life that they never thought God could do. And so to be a part of that is just incredible. And it's just an honor to be here with you this morning, to be a part of team and community as we build God's church across our city and across Canada and even globally to see that God is moving and doing incredible things in our world. And so this morning we're, we've been talking about a series that I'm going to be continuing. And that series is on core culture. And we've been talking about different things that we believe are so valuable within church culture and as C3 culture as well. And so last week we had a little combo with Pastor Stephen and Pastor Phil. I think he called it a spiritual sandwich without some bread or something like that. But an incredible message that talked to us about what does it mean to be inspired and what does it mean to walk in the prophetic. And to be spirit-filled people means to live an energized life, to be full of Christ within us. But the week before that, Matt did an incredible job sharing on hope and how we are to be hope-filled, hopeful people instead of hopeless people. The week before that, Pastor Lauren did an incredible job talking about honor. I think sometimes one of the most challenging culture traits for us to walk out of, how do we walk our life with honor, honoring those people in our world and around us. And then it started off with Fola doing an incredible message talking about peace and how in the, in the storms of life, we can experience Jesus' peace regardless of what we're going through and we can overcome and so this morning, we're going to continue this series, and I'm going to be speaking about how we can live Jesus-centered lives and actually influence our community by authentically modeling Christ to others in our community. And so we're going to be talking about connection, and what does it mean to be connected? Connected to God, connected within community. And so we're going to begin unpacking that, and we're going to be reading from John 15. So if you want to turn to John 15 with me, it's also going to be up on the Sky Bible. For these, those of you taking notes, my title for tonight's mess, or today's message is really simple. It's connected to the vine. And so many of you may have read this passage from John 15 before, and it's talking about the vine and the branches, and it's giving us an illustration. So let's get into that this morning. In John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, let's just take a moment to pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given me a word 
this morning to share. And I pray, Lord God, that your words and that your truth speaks through me this morning. I believe that there's something for each person here this morning to receive. And so, Lord God, I pray that I can just get out of the way and allow your spirit to move and to speak to people and encourage people this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's get into this a little bit. So the context of John 15, sometimes we hear this and we're like, oh, there's a beautiful illustration of a tree. But the reality is Jesus is preparing his disciples for a coming time of persecution. He's actually preparing them for a place that when he leaves and gives his life, that they're going to be still living in a world where people are actually going to hate them for being followers of Jesus. Hate them to the point where they're going to be persecuted and where many of them will actually give their life for Jesus in spreading the gospel and sharing the message of who Jesus is. And so we, we think about this and we're like, wow, that's like a, a pretty heavy passage if we're thinking about it in light of persecution. But what's so incredible to me is what Jesus is doing here is he's giving them some keys in order to overcome the challenges that they're going to face in life. And so for us as well this morning to take out of this that God is giving us keys that whatever challenges, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, that God is giving you the keys to overcome those things in your world and in your life. And so we start in in verse 1, and it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And so here's this illustration being created, and we see much imagery throughout the Bible of trees and of, of a vine. And so the disciples would have been very familiar with this language of what Jesus is talking about and making this illustration that's connecting also to a human analogy. Many people actually see this as a corresponding passage when Paul talks about the body of Christ with with Jesus as the head and us, the body, having different roles to play. That it's a similar illustration of the importance of being connected to Jesus. But here we also see where he's talking about the gardener, that he's actually speaking about that God is in control and that through Jesus we have access to God, Jesus being the vine. How hard is it for Maybe it's just me, but in our own life to actually release control to God, to believe that in the midst of the circumstances we're facing and some of the challenging things that we go through, that God is actually in control, that God actually knows the bigger picture of what's happening and that he's worthy to be trusted through those circumstances. In verse 2, it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And so when I think about this, there's, a contrasting idea of what's being cut off, but really things are getting cut off in both circumstances. And so we may see like dead things in our life that we're like, okay, yeah, that needs to be removed. I need to get rid of that. But there's other things in our life that we feel like that doesn't seem so bad. I don't need to give that up in my life. But there's actually in pruning a process that needs to take place of things being removed in our life that we may not realize need to be removed. I don't know if anybody's pruned a tree before, but we used to have, we have a lilac bush in our backyard and um, when we had moved in, it was producing lilacs, and then quite quickly, it produced less lilacs. There was lots of green leaves, and even the lilacs were so high up that we couldn't even really get them. So the, the tree wasn't producing the fruit, the lilac that it was intended to produce in the way it was intended. So we pruned it down, and I actually thought we killed this tree because it was so small. It looked like a shell of its old self that I was like, I don't even know if this is a tree anymore. We probably killed it. Sorry, Shelby. I know you love lilacs. It's going to be dead. But this year, actually, so that was a couple of years ago, we had so many lilacs in this tree and at a place where they are reachable. And it just reminded me of this imagery of that there's actually sometimes things that seem like they look good in our life that actually need to be cut out and removed for our life. If we're going to allow the fruit that God's intended for our life to be able to come out of our life. And so in verse 4, it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. God's speaking to us about the importance of being connected to him. He's warning us that if we get disconnected from God, 
We're going to miss that life source that actually allows us to bear his fruit in and through our life. And so my first point tonight is that we need to be in a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be connected to the vine. And so maybe you've heard things like this before of it's important to um, have a life that includes prayer in it where we actually communicate with God, where we actually not only just give our request to God of like, hey, God, here's my list. I want a job this year. I want a great relationship. I want to make lots of money, make everything work out for me. Oh, yeah, and make, keep me healthy. Sometimes our prayer life gets caught in that aspect of just what are the things that we're asking God from and not actually what is God speaking to me in my world. When we build relationships with people, we don't form best friends by hanging out with one person one time, making a good connection and never seeing them again and being like, that's my, my best friend that I had one moment with. In fact, we actually journey with people. We go through good moments and we go through challenging moments, but those moments shape the relationship that we cherish and the people that we value in our life. And as a result of this, we actually form a relationship that's long-lasting and beneficial to our life. But how many times do we actually disregard God of saying, like, you know what, I, I read my Bible, and then I, I kind of got busy, and you know what, like, life happened, and one day I wasn't reading my Bible, and then it turned into two days, and now a week's passed, and I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. And we can get to a point where we start to feel disconnected from God. We actually find that the very thing that brings life within us and brings a connection to who God is, we've actually started to distance ourselves from that. And I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe you've been on a journey and you've, you've got so far removed that um, even coming back to church, this is the first time that you've been back in a church in a long time. And, and things have come up that you felt, you know what, I had a relationship with God in the past and it felt like it was giving me life and there's excitement with it, but something changed and I no longer feel that connection point to God. The encouraging thing about Jesus, we may even feel like we're those branches that are dead and have been cut off because we got to a point where we were questioning, like, is Jesus alive? Is he real? Is it just this institution that we believe in, but there's not a personal connection there? And we can actually get to a point where we feel disconnected from God. But the incredible thing about Jesus is that he always accepts us back from where, wherever we're at in our life. That wherever our journey is, whatever our experience is, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And even if we feel like we're that dead branch that's been cut off, Jesus can graft us back in. And maybe we feel like we're a branch that's there, but it's not producing fruit. When we get reconnected to the life source of God, we can bear his fruit through our life. But it's our choice. It's our choice to reconnect with God. It's our choice to reestablish a prayer life, to start getting into his word again, that it can feed us and fill us. But it's important that we remember if, if we want to be connected to God in a way that we produce fruit, we need to have that open line of connection where we're willing to allow him to speak into our world. I don't know if anybody's parents in here. Do we got some parents in the house? A few of us? Well, I'm a parent of a two-year-old and a five-month-year-old, and I'm learning that Parenting's challenging. It's not as easy as I once thought it was when it's the baby and when he cries, I just give him to his mother and she feeds him or we change the diaper and things are great. As a two-year-old, I, I call it the why season. So those of you who have had young children or experiencing young children now can relate to this and everything's a why. So I believe I know what's best for my child. And so I say, James, it's time for bed. You need to get your sleep. And he says, why daddy? And I say, well, because you want to be rested for tomorrow and you want to have lots of energy. But why, Daddy? And I try to give every explanation I can. But however good it is, however logical, well-reasoned, scientifically proven my answer is, 
the why still comes. That I realize maybe I'm just not good enough at telling answers to him, or maybe he just likes a more in-depth answer that I could never provide. But the reality is, even when he knows he needs to go to bed and he gets into bed and we go through this routine, he's now finding a way to actually manipulate Shelby and I of, of what happens with bed. So we go through his bedtime routine, we think things are good, and we put him to bed, and we hear, Mommy, Daddy, I need you, I need you. And so we go into the room, and we're like, what is it? And he's like, I need some water. And so I don't want to be that parent that gets on the news for some reason that I didn't give my kid water at night, and it was so hot one Sunday night that he got dehydrated and had to take him to the hospital. So I'm like, I got to be a good parent. I'm going to go get my son some water. So you get him water, and you get him settled, and he smiles. He lays down on his, his pillow, and you leave, and then you hear, Daddy, Daddy, I need you. And you go back in. What is it now? I got to go poop. And if, if you've had a child, and we've potty trained him now, so we, I don't want him pooping in the bed. So I'm like, okay. And like most of the time we go to the bathroom and now we put on a timer for five minutes. We're like, if you don't go poop in five minutes, you're going back to your bed. But there's those moments he goes poop and you're like, sometimes he has to go. So like, I got to be able to take him because I don't want an accident to happen. And yet there's still moments that he'll call us back and he'll... He, he skinned his knee the other day, and so he's, he's lying in there. He's gone through this whole routine, and he's like, I need a Band-Aid. And you come to a moment where you're like, there's a disconnect here. I'm not getting through to you. You know what you need. I know what you need, but you're not listening. And the reality is I think so many times, at least for me in my life, I relate to James as that toddler who actually is at a disconnect with what God's speaking into my world. God's saying, this is the way to bear fruit in your life. This is what I'm calling you to do. And I start making excuses or I start kind of manipulating what I want from God and what, instead of what God is asking me to do and to live out in my life. And the reality is we need to make choices to align ourselves to be reconnected to Jesus and what God is calling us to do in our life. We can make excuses of that we're too busy or these things have happened and quickly find that a discipline that we had of reading the Bible daily has disappeared and we wonder why our relationship with God feels different, why he feels distant in our world. We wonder why when we stop coming to church for months that like we start questioning like what do I actually believe? Because we start having different influences in our life that shape who we are and what we believe. In verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. My second point this morning is that we need to authentically model Christ by producing his fruit through our life. What does it mean to authentically model Christ? As I was preparing this, I was asking myself, why is, why is church important? What makes church any different than anywhere else? We're people that are shaped from our environment. We become the people we are because of the people we hang around and the environments we choose to be in that have an influence of speaking into our life and shaping our world. The challenge is we find ourselves in the majority of our life being at work, being at school, being in the social groups or um, the things that we participate in, whether it's music or sports. Those things that we're a part of take a lot of our time and a lot of our attention. They're having an influence in shaping our life and who we are. And when I think about the church, I also think about what other things draw people in that are attractive to them. And one of the things is actually gangs. The reason gangs are so successful for people to be a part of is because people are looking for a place where they're accepted and where they belong. 
I think we could all agree the, the fruit of what a gang produces is not something that's healthy. But people in this world are looking for a place where they can feel accepted, where people will stand up for them, where people will be there with them. The church is a place where we can come together and actually be that place where we can be connected to God and we can be connected to others, where we can grow together and where we can produce good fruit. Another question I have is, can we actually be connected to the vine and not producing fruit? Because sometimes we think about it as like, well, I believe in Jesus. There's nothing that I've compromised or disconnected and that I don't no longer believe in him, but I'm not seeing fruit produced in my life. I'm not seeing my job be successful. My relationships are falling apart. Why are these things that it talks about in the Bible of, of who God is, why am I not seeing them in my life? What is happening that's not allowing me to bear fruit? And the reality is we often allow so many things in our life consume the attention of our world that we're missing what God is actually speaking into our world. We're missing what God's calling us to do through our life. And so we actually need to find a way to to reconnect to God in a way of like, God, what are you telling me to do? And the reason that I think church is so incredible is because church is not just about a place where we can come and belong. I think that is a part of it because there's, a, there's an ache within us that we want to find a place where people will accept us for who we are. But in reality, we also want a place that's going to challenge us to be all that we've been called to be or all that we believe we should be. That we want to have a hope in the future that we're living for something that has value. We're living for something that has purpose and meaning. And I believe the church has the ability to shape that for us. And it's not just about a Sunday. Yes, Sunday is the day that we come together and we celebrate in this moment. So we have an incredible time of worship. How good was worship this morning? Where we can share together, but we can be encouraged and shaped. So when we go into our week, that it's not something that needs to carry us through our week, but it reminds us of the importance of getting connected to Jesus, of being in relationship with him of finding time to connect with other people. Maybe that's small groups. Maybe that's having a meal or going for coffee with someone. But we actually can live and grow together as people. It says in Proverbs 27, 17, that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. As one person sharpens another. And actually, as we come together and as we grow together, there's something that incredible that happens within the church that we actually can see that we're not perfect people. We were never intended to live in isolation. And when Jesus is talking about no branch that's completely separated can be healthy and can bear fruit, it's saying that we've never been created to live in isolation. The, the challenging thing for me is always to hear people when they're going through a very tragic experience or moment in their life that they often run away from the church or run away from God. That they often think, you know what, my marriage is falling apart, things are not doing good, I can't go to church because those people aren't going to accept me. Knowing my life is a shamble, like they're not going to be accepting me there. Um, I did something and I, I cheated at my in my workplace and I stole and like now that people really realize what I've done and who I am, they're never going to accept me again. And the very place that could help turn our hearts back to God, can help us go through a healing process, can actually help us journey through something is often the place that we run away from and, and choose to disconnect from. But I believe God's called us to be in church that we can grow together, that we can journey through the tough challenges of life together and know that we don't have to do it alone. Later on in John 15, in verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When it's talking about us bearing fruit, it's actually talking about how can we glorify God through the actions of our life. There should be something that sets us apart from others in our world that people see that there's something different about that person. 
People should see Jesus in our life through the, the fruit of how we act out and live out our life. And that's the challenge what God's calling us into. I don't believe that the purpose of salvation is merely to save people from going to hell. That's a very limited mindset in, in realizing the relationship of what Jesus has, has set up for us. It's actually to be in a relationship that can completely transform our life, that we can live a life for something greater than ourselves, not only focusing on ourselves, but focusing on others in our world and the impact that we can have in other people's life when we come into alignment with God. The fruit we need to accurately and authentically model, I believe, is love, joy, and peace. And there's an aspect of the church that, I believe they're, they're, a key part of it is to introduce people to Jesus so that they can have that life source that we talked about. They can also be connected to the vine. But I believe we come together as believers to be able to strengthen and encourage each other. But the third part of it that I feel holds it together is that the church is a place where we can keep each other accountable. That we can actually call out some of the things that are happening in our world and in our life. I remember when I was in high school and I was deciding what I was going to do next in my life and I was trying to process, do I, do I go to work? Do I go to school? And I decided to go away to YWAM to do a discipleship training school. And I remember when I was there, I was at my own journey of my faith of realizing like who God is. And I remember in the prayer room, I was praying one night and I, I said, God, if you're real, Show yourself to me in a tangible way. And if not, I'll go on saying I'm a Christian, but I'm going to live my life however I want to live it. And I think so many times we, we get to moments like this where we believe God is real or that there's something there, but we don't actually know if he wants to have a personal relationship with us. We don't actually know if there's a connection that we can have that we can be filled by him. And so something happened that night that hasn't happened in the same way since. But as I was, I was praying that night, God gave me verses, highlighted verses. And some of these verses I'd read before, some I had never read before. But there's three verses that as I was praying about something, a verse would come into my head. I would flip to the Bible. And in that area, there would be a verse that was directly talking to the thing that I was going through. And one of these verses that's become my life verse was 1 John 2.17. It says, the world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. And it showed me something when God was revealing himself to me in a tangible way of saying, you know what, you've been living your life for, for temporary things, for just the current moment. And you haven't been thinking of the reality of what's yet to come, of living for something greater for yourself. And I came back from this experience in Wyoming and I realized like something needed to change in my life. And I started to shift from seeing God as just my savior to begin to see Jesus as Lord over my life. And I realized that I needed to be in a community where people could encourage me and strengthen me, but people could also keep me accountable and challenge me in my life. And so I came back and Pastor Lauren may remember this story, but I, I had all these dreams and passions and there was an opportunity to start a sports school. And if anybody knows me that well, I love sports. And, and so I'm telling him about this, and he's like, I got an opportunity for you as well. I'd like you to lead our youth ministry. And I'm like, awesome. Like, so next week, I'm going to Montana. I'm going to find out about this sports school. And then, yeah, like, let's talk about youth ministry. He's like, I'd like to know your answer by the end of this week. And I said, oh, Pastor, I don't think you heard me. Like, next week, I'm leaving to Montana, and I'm going to figure out about this sports school, and then I'll let you know after that. And he's like, that's great that you're doing that. I'd like your answer by the end of this week. And here I am in this moment. A young 20-year-old with full of honor in my life, frustrated with my pastor saying, who is he to question the dreams that God's put on my heart to call out this 
aspect of, I need to make a choice for him what I'm going to do. But the reality was, I needed to go through a journey in my life of realizing, can I trust God? Can I trust God that he's going to speak to me in this moment? And can I trust God in submitting under godly authority in my life? And so at the end of the week, I, I was still wrestling with it, but I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to leading our youth ministry. And it was hard for me. It was a humbling moment for me. But I went that next week to Montana, and, I, and I, the sports ministry wasn't ready to be started in that year, and it did end up starting a couple of years later. But I realized something that was so valuable, and if, if there's one thing that you take out of the message, I hope this is one thing. And that's when we submit ourselves under godly authority, that we align ourselves in relationship with God, where God can pour into us and produce the fruit that he's called us to produce in our life. Because living for God is all about being in alignment with him, but also being in alignment with people that he's put in authority, that have, that have taken some steps before us, that have gone through some journeys of life before us, that can teach us and can mentor us. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Lauren. I'm so thankful for many in this church who have influenced my life and Shelby's life. As individuals, we've grown a lot. As a couple, we've grown so much. In our leadership, we've grown much. But that moment was such a, a life-changing, transformational moment for me where I, I realized, like, you know what? There's times in our life where we need to submit to godly authority, where we need to realize there's other people in our world that have a voice and an impact in our world that is actually going to help us <clears throat> to be the best people that we can be. And if we align in that way, that we are going to produce Christ's fruit through our life. And so what does that look like? In Galatians 5.22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, that's a big list. The reality is, if we're authentically modeling Jesus, people will see those qualities within our life and see, like, those things attract people to us because people are attracted to Jesus. This is what it's talking about of who God is and what that looks like. As I had stated earlier, I believe the purpose of salvation is to glorify God. And that when we can actually do this, people can see a real representation of who Christ is through our life. And sometimes we may think like, well, I can't figure all those things out. But I'm telling you, when the choice comes that we can actually submit and align ourselves with God, we can take moments out of our life where we think it may be so busy, but even if it's five minutes in the morning, to be in prayer with God and actually allow him to speak into us. God, what do you want to speak? One thing this morning. And I found actually when I, when I read the Bible in the morning, sometimes I'll just go to a point where something speaks to me and I'll stop there and be like, okay, God, let me just think about this through today. And it's amazing how so many moments in that day, God will remind me of that and God will show something to me. And it's, it's showing that when we're willing to be connected and allow God to have a voice into our life, he sets up opportunities where we can bear fruit and model and represent who he is in our world. As we close, I'm just going to ask the keys to come back up on stage. Actually, we'll get the whole band to come back up. The three qualities I want to talk about are peace, love, and joy that I believe we can all model in a way that's valuable and beneficial to our world. Because in reality, I think there's actually a counterfeit of how our world represents these things. But there's a truth behind how God's intended us to represent these things and walk these things out in our world. The counterfeit of, of peace, I believe, is that world peace will be achieved through one world religion, one world government, and one 
global economy. That if we could all get to a point where we're living in this utopian society where we all view things the same and we all just do it the same way that there will be peace and we'll all be happy. The reality is, as us as people created in God's image, unique, different, having different personalities and having the freedom to choose, the reality is we're going to view things differently. We're going to make different choices. Peace isn't about just things being all good that we don't have to worry about things. Peace is actually being able to carry something in circumstances where the environment around us is not peace-filled. The Hebrew word for peace is salom. And it actually has four meanings. The first one is wholeness of life or body. So it's actually talking about our health. Coming out of a a time period of being sick, I can relate to this one. There's peace where you actually feel healthy that you can do things. Sometimes you don't realize it until you're in the moment of sickness and you're, you're trying to persevere through that, how much just peace there is when you feel wholeness of body. Harmony. The second one is harmony established by two parties through a covenant. That God's created covenant relationships. An example of this is within marriage, where two people come together. That God's created that relationship to be in harmony, where you don't get your own way always, but that where you work together, you choose to respect and to value each other within that, that peace and harmony comes within that relationship. The third one is as prosperity or fulfillment. That actually feeling that your life has purpose and meaning, not just prosperity financially, but it has benefit in what, how you're living your life. And the fourth one is victory over enemies or absence of war. That when there's not actually tension or conflict or battle happening, that this is actually what it's talking about, having peace. And God's actually saying that in the midst of circumstances that we're feeling, when we're not feeling healthy, we can proclaim wholeness over our body so that we can walk in that peace as we journey through the circumstances that we're in. In John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The truth is we need to go to the Bible to see what is God's word saying so that we can find some verses to stand on when things don't seem peaceful that remind us of what it means to experience God's peace. The second one is joy. And the counterfeit, I believe, of joy is that we're going to have the perfect job and be in the perfect relationship. And if we just are in that place, we're going to feel the emotional feelings of what we believe joy is actually about. The reality is that true joy can only be found in a relationship with Jesus. It says in Psalm 1611 that it's in God's presence we find the fullness of joy. In Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God actually gives us a connection point to him through the Holy Spirit. We're being in relationship with him. We can feel joy that's sustaining and lasting. Later on in John chapter 15 and verse 11, it actually says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now remember, he's talking to them in a time where they're about to face persecution. They're about to face the most challenging circumstances of their life. But God is saying you can face or you, these situations with joy being filled with me in your life. You can endure through them experiencing joy. The last one is love. And as we get to John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13, I'll just ask that they put that up on the the screen. Jesus says, my command is this, to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love 
has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. I believe the counterfeit of love in our world is that love is just a feeling, that it's something that changes, that it's something that comes and goes. One of the most heartbreaking things to see for me in my world is good friends of mine being in a relationship and getting married and coming to a moment where they say, you know what, the feelings that we had when we were first dating and we knew each other, the feelings when we first got married and how awesome things were, that feelings change and we've fallen out of love. And I don't think I'm supposed to be with this person anymore. And it breaks my heart because I feel we've so missed God's love. That love is actually a choice. In my own relationship, I like to think sometimes my marriage is perfect. The reality is that it's not. Shelby and I face moments where we are in conflict at times or we we wrestle through things together. But actually true love is in those moments where she frustrates me that I actually choose to respect and value her and who she is as a person. When I set aside my own belief systems at time of this is the way things need to be, to not always need to be right, that's, that, that's actually what it chooses. The choice to love, that's what it looks like. It's something that's countercultural to what we see within our world. And it's not something that's just an emotion that's here and gone. But it's actually something we choose to enter into. And Jesus said that greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. In a world where we often are looking out for ourselves, this is something that's countercultural. And a few verses earlier in, in verse 9, if it says, If you could keep my commands and you remain you will remain in my love. So many times I think, God, how can I truly express your love? There's so many things in this world that frustrate me. There's so many things that I don't get. But if we're actually to model Christ's love in a way that's attractive, that people are drawn to Jesus, that there's no way that they can say, I don't want to be a part of judgmental Christians who don't actually live up to what they preach. This is what it means to bear God's fruit to make a choice to live countercultural, that people see something that the circumstances you're in provide no reason why you would act the way you're acting, but there's something that's different about you. And it's only when we're connected to Christ, when we're connected to the vine, when we position ourselves in a place where we allow people to speak into our world, we allow people to keep us accountable, that Jesus' love can fill us and that we can actually authentically model that and represent that to other people. This is what our world is craving. This is what everybody is looking for. We see it in the media, we see it all over, but I believe these aspects of peace, joy, and love are being misrepresented. But God's truth and God's word shows us the proper way of how to represent it. And sometimes we need to get out of our own mindsets of how we view things and actually see, can we live according to what God's word is calling us to do? And that's my challenge to us today. In Romans 5, verses 1 to 5, let's put that up on the screen. It says, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. 
and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Jesus knew that in the greatest moments of persecution that the church would grow. And this is the moment he was preparing for his disciples for in John 15. A time of persecution was coming, but that persecution did not stop the church. In fact, it actually produced hope within people to endure and overcome the circumstances and situation they were in. And I believe that's still God's message to us today, that we can endure and overcome whatever comes our way. He reminded them that his peace and joy was accessible to them through him, and that the love they showed for each other, even unto death, would be the model for others to follow. When we are connected to Jesus, we have access to experience his peace, to to feel his complete and fulfilling joy, and to share his love with others. In a moment, we're going to go into a time of a response. We're just going to go into a song first in a moment here. But in Romans 3.23, it says, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But the incredible thing is this is why Jesus came, because we can't do it on our own, but we don't need to do it on our own. God sent his son so that we have that life source. We have the connection that we need in order to grow in God. We have the connection to God that enables us to overcome whatever we're going through. So we're just going to take a moment to enter into this song, and I just encourage you to allow God to just fill your heart and to encourage you that wherever you're at, that you can be reconnected with God. Wherever you're at in your journey, whatever you're feeling, however close or far you feel from God, that he's always there waiting, welcoming you back, loving you, appreciating you, and valuing you right where you're at and saying, I still believe in you. Come back to me. Okay, we're going to enter into this song. So I'm just going to ask everybody to stand. time of singing. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.